Good morning. My name is Chris Vincent, and just to kind of introduce myself real briefly, the Vincent family, we've been here for almost two years now. Before I came to this church, I did have opportunities to, to preach and to be up here presenting the word. But, you know, when that chapter closed in my life, I was never sure if I would get the opportunity to, to be up here again. It is an absolute privilege to be here right now. You never know what God's going to do. You never know if certain things that you used to be able to do, you still will be able to do. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to Pastor Day for giving me the opportunity. All I ever really wanted to do is to serve the church and serve its people. So it, it, it is my pleasure to be here presenting God's word to you this morning. And I'm hoping to bring something that is, is helpful, is instructional. I think, too, and I just want to say, I, I think this whole thing is so cool, just being able to see different people up here preaching and hearing different ways of presenting the gospel. So, um, you know, Pastor Steve kind of walked us through two weeks. That was awesome. That was cool just to see his personality, his flavor. Um, and so this week, you know, it's the Chris Vincent flavor. We'll see if it's delightful or painful or what. But um, I'm hoping, despite my limitations, God's here to preach to you and um, help you out with something. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up, power them up, or whatever you do with it. And we're going to be in Nehemiah 8 for the entire morning, um, just kind of stepping through the scripture. The book of Nehemiah is an incredible book. Traditionally, in Hebrew scripture, uh, Nehemiah is actually connected to the book of Ezra. Um, Ezra and Nehemiah, it kind of tells a very succinct story about the Jewish remnant coming back to Israel. If you read the story, what's kind of happening here is that the, the Jewish people fail to live up to what God has called them to do. And so then, because of their failures, because of their sinfulness they begin to get exiled into Babylon. Um, it happens once, it happens again, and a third time. Now all of a sudden, um, most of the nation of Israel has been sent off to Babylon. And then after a period of time, what has happened is that the, the Babylonians have been replaced by the Persians. And a lot of these stories read in the book of Daniel in different spots, being in exile and how this is working and people in exile and being faithful to God still. But um, when we get to the story of Ezra and Nehemiah, what's fascinating about the Persians is how they rule so differently than the Babylonians. Where the Babylonians ruled through brutal tactics, um, slavery, harshness. The Persians like to rule by being your best friend and being kind to you and trying to you know, get you to like them through you know, giving you the treats and the goodness. And so that's kind of the context that we see happening here in Nehemiah. The, the folks are going back because of the kindness of the Persians. Um, they're still under the thumb of the Persians, but they're going back. And we read three separate people through Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, Zerubbabel, Ezra, and finally Nehemiah. And their missions are pretty simple. One's going to rebuild the temple. One's going to rebuild the priesthood. And Nehemiah is going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. When we get to Nehemiah 8, um, this is kind of the first time 
that we begin to see a different kind of rebuilding happening. Rebuilding the walls, the temple, the priesthood, um, fine. But it doesn't matter unless we start to rebuild people's hearts. And that's what we read in Nehemiah 8. Um, what we're going to read is kind of cool, because you're going to see, I think, a lot of what we do in church today in the services, and a lot of traditions that we follow, um, a lot of them could be traced back to Nehemiah 8. And there's some really interesting things that, that the Israelites are doing when they're going through God's word, and things that I think are, are helpful for us and important for us to remember. So we're going to read through this, kind of dissect it, trying to understand some things, and um, hopefully learn some cool things that, that God has to show us. So, again, I would encourage you, um, I'll put a couple things up here on the screen, but you got your Bibles, you should really open them and follow along, or listen to, to my voice, either is fine. So, in Nehemiah chapter 8, we actually start slightly before it in 7. But we read there. When the seventh month came... And the Israelites had settled in their towns. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. Now, one quick thing to understand, when we talk about books, like your, your, your scripture says books, right? Um, this is not what they had, right? This is a modern thing that we have here came a couple hundred years afterwards. Um, This is the codex with the bind thing there. Um, What did they actually have? Here comes the scroll. It's coming out. And the other thing to note, too, when we say the law of Moses, what are we talking about in the context of this? Um, Is it all the Old Testament or something smaller than that? It's the Torah, right? In fact, that's the, the translation of the word uh, Torah is the law of Moses. So here comes Ezra. Everyone's here in front of the water gate. We are opening the scripture and we're reading from the Torah. So verse 2. The first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak to noon And he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. And so again, pause there. Like, what's going on? Like, how how long is this church service? That this is a pastor's dream right here, isn't it? (laughs) To to get a captive audience from the moment we got lights all the way up to to lunchtime. Um, These people apparently are so hungry for the word that four, five, I don't know, six hours, no problem. We're there. We're listening. Verse 4. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform. we got better platforms nowadays. Built for the occasion. And beside him, on his right, stood Matthiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah, and on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Mikai, Hashem, Hajabadiah, Zechariah, and Mishalem. Right? Great treasure trove of boy names. <laughs> I am in technology. Very profound thing that we see. And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their face on the ground. 
So look at what's happening here. All of them stood up. Ezra read aloud, and they had their hands raised up, and they're listening to what's going on here. Ezra blesses the Lord, right? Because we're, we're blessing the Lord, because the Lord is the one that brought us the word, brought us the scripture. And all the people are standing up there with their hands raised up. Now, have you guys seen this before? What does this look like to you when you have something like this going on? Pray. Pray? Touchdown? Am I doing the touchdown sign? <laughs> Parents, have you seen this before? What's that? Pick me up. I want something. Give me that. There's something that that child wants, right? Um, you know, parents see this, and this is like, you know, not always the most endearing thing because, you know, you're trying to run away from the child and you're just like, you know, trying to like get to you. But there's, there's something relational that that child's doing right there, right? They're, they're wanting to get something from you. They're wanting to receive something. And that's what the, the posture that the Israelites are taking here. They're raising their hands because they're asking to receive something from God. They're expecting something from God. In addition to raising their hands with that expectation to receive something, um, they also, in turn, bow down in humility. Now, this is a very profound thing. Um, there, there's some church uh, communities that do this still to this day, and we kind of do this somewhat too, right? Like when we read the book of Psalms up here, what do we do? We stand up before the Lord, but then this tradition, this symbolism takes it a step further where they raise their hand, expecting to receive something. They say the words, Amen, Amen, which means what? True, true, trustworthy, true that, true that, all that. And then they bow down in humility. One of the things that um, is true for, for a lot of people in their walk of Christ, as time goes on, it's sometimes harder to tell you things, right? You're stubborn. You stop listening. You don't hear certain things. And there's a variety of reasons why you get those barriers, right? You know, age is certainly one. Um, the person up there talking to you could be another thing. There's something about that person that you just you can't hear them, the way they look, the way they talk, the way they act, whatever it is, their age. Um, there's certain things between you and that person that may be blocking your ability to hear that. Um, there could be external things. Again, children, again, how many times do you have to tell them something and they just never, for whatever reason... Um, you, you know, because we did that, the hearing test at the last pediatrician visit, like, you know the ears are working, but they don't hear you. Jesus talked about this a little bit, right? Um, when he was doing one of his parables, there's, there's this one parable they told, he told with, you know, the soil and the seeds, and seeds fall there and there and there, and he told it, and then afterwards the apostles were like, what was that? What is going on here? It was He quoted um, some scripture in Isaiah, and he actually quoted this to them, Isaiah 6 through 10, um, go and tell this to the people, be never understanding, ever seeing, but never perceiving. 
make the heart of this people callous, make their ears. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and be healed. So, you can have ears, and apparently, you can have two and not see certain things. And when we stop expecting to receive something from God, and so that's, that's challenging for us as, as people, right? Um, I would ask you, when you are listening to the word of God, do you come with it expecting to hear something, expecting to see something? It's, it's Pastor Dave, some other guy, um, whether you're at a big church, a little church, you're at small group, Bible study, um, whether you're... What we see in Nehemiah 8, 5, and 6 is significant. Um, that attitude of raising your hands and expecting to receive something, expecting God to address you, the attitude we should have every time we come to the Word of God. An expectation and a humility to receive something. I think when we stop hearing the Word of God, when we stop hearing because our attitude and our, our word is incorrect, where we're not prepared to receive or to hear it. And Jesus is very clear that, that you can have ears, you can have eyes, but, but it's possible for you not to hear a single thing and see anything that's going, especially the spiritual things and God moving in their lives. Continue on. Verse 7. Um, again, another treasure trove of great boy names there, instructed the people in the law while they were standing there. They read from of the law of God, making it clear and given the meaning so that the people... Now, again, do we recognize what... I mean, that's small group ministry right there, isn't it? Isn't this what we do even nowadays? When we read the word and we hear it, there sometimes can come moments when we just don't really grasp it or understand it. And that's, that's what this community comes around the Word to do. Because we desire to understand what is happening in the Word of God. Um, one thing that you should be um, at least humble enough, the Bible is not easy, right? It was written for a different culture of people from a very long time ago. And especially us as Americans trying to, to bridge that cultural differences and written what the customs here, what they're trying to communicate. Um, it, it's not, you can spend a lifetime of reading scripture, of investing in that, and still never really quite. And so this is what we see here in this particular community as they come together out loud, and then the Levites, the priests, they're going out into the crowd and helping them to understand what is going on. And then verse 9. Got it. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, it is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Now, does, does that strike anyone as strange? Um, I know some Sundays 
right around the 11.15, Pastor Dave probably make you cry because you're not sure if he's going to end anytime soon. But um, for the majority of Sundays, um, we don't usually have that experience. After listening to a sermon, we don't actually start to cry. Um, one of the things that's kind of interesting to think about as you read this is this, this, the, these tears that are coming. Do you think they're happy tears or sad tears? Sad tears, right? Why are they sad? Why are the people mourning? You, you have to kind of think about what they're listening to right now. The, the, the law of Moses, the first five books. Um, you have to consider what they're listening to and what they're hearing. Those first five books are really God just trying to help humanity understand what they're created for, what they're meant to do, how they're to interact with other people. And, and, I mean, and you know how it goes, right? How do the Israelites do with the mission that God has given them? How have we done with the mission that God has given us? Terrible, right? Terrible. You know, we're, we're sinful people. We make a mess of creation. We make a mess of the relationships we have with each other. And, and, and it just goes terribly here on earth, right? I mean, think about the Israelites. They're, they're this call that they had through Abraham, they were raised up, and, and you kind of go through that story, and they're meant to be a blessing. They're meant to um, bless the world and, and show how good this God is. And, and every step of the way, every person in that story is just making a mess of the whole situation. It's getting worse and worse and worse, right? And so the Israelites are hearing this whole story about what they're meant to do, what they're called to do, and what God is, is asking them to do in their lives. And, and they just realize that we've made a mess of this whole situation. And that's how we got into exile. And that's how we got into the situation. And that's why we have this burden right now. And they're probably thinking, you know, we're probably going to mess this up too. But we keep reading there in 10. And again, very interesting how this changes again in verse 10. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy for our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so what's the response from Nehemiah, Ezra, and all the people up there in, a, in, in preaching the word up here? They're crying, right? They're upset. And what do they say? Go have a party, you know? Go, go to Wegmans. Get the best turkeys they got there, right? Get something nice. Get some good drinks. Get some good food. Ha- have a party, right? In other words... This, this day is not meant for weeping, but instead for celebration. And this is a very, again, profound thing that we're seeing here, because this, this is what the Word of God is meant to do. When you encounter the Word of God, it, it's supposed to mess with you, right? It's supposed to do something with you. When you approach the Word with humility and expecting to receive something, it's supposed to do something in your hearts and it should pierce you to your core and it should do something to make you realize this is what God has created me to do and I have just made a complete mess of it. But the thing about the word of God 
is that it does pierce you and it does do something internally to you that causes you to grieve. But that grief and that sorrow, it never has the last word with this God, right? That sorrow and those tears um, with this Lord, it does not have the last word. Up there on the screen, it, it kind of ends there with, with this, this phrase. This day is holy because this is a celebration of the Lord. We read in verse 10, Nehemiah is saying, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. Why? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's a very churchy word, right? Um, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Um, one thing to notice there really quick is that some of your Bibles, maybe not all, when it says the word Lord there, do you notice how it's all capitalized? What does that mean when we capitalize the, the word Lord as opposed to just capital lowercase? They're calling out the actual word that they know of their God, Yahweh. It's the personal name of God that the Israelites know. And so the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's really a phrase that's meant to help refocus ourselves. The strength that we have and the joy that we have is not found in us, but in God, in the Lord. And so when we go through Scripture and we are pierced through the heart for what it's exposing in us and what it's showing us, we, we understand that, and it should break us, but again, it never has the last word, because the moment we start to focus only on our character, then that's all there is. It's just that tears, those sadness, and that heartache. But instead, Nehemiah and Ezra and Scripture tells us that we should not focus on our character and our shortcomings, but instead focus where? On the Lord. And so... All scripture talks about this. Um, Psalm 103, 6 through 10, it says this. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. He will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And so that, that is where the joy of the Lord comes from. It does not come from focusing on our circumstances, our situations, the fact that we've made a mess of this world, made a mess of each other and our relationships. But instead, our joy comes when we focus on the Lord and his promises. That is where our joy comes from as a group of people. In verse 11, the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day, and do not grieve. 
Then all the people went away to eat and drink and to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. And so here it is, this group of people. They've been listening to Ezra preach for hours. They've been exposed to those, those hidden truths and understanding it completely because of the Levite priests and, and small group settings. And it broke them, but they now understood that, that our joy does not come from the fact that we are a broken people and that we continually fall short of what God has called us to do, but instead our joy comes from the Lord. And, you know, for, for the Israelites, unfortunately, they don't hear the end of the story, but we do, right? We do. We, we know where the story is going. Um, all the Old Testament, and, you know, Dave does his, his New Year's sermon. It, it is fantastic. Um, the, the idea that all of Scripture is pointing to Christ. Every story Everything that goes on it is, is just abundantly, abundantly clear time and time again that we, we, need, we need something else here. Um, again, I, I love the book of Nehemiah because it's just so fantastic, but um, how does this story turn out? Um, do you know? Not great. Nehemiah 13 is um, the most anticlimactic end to this whole story. Um, the walls are rebuilt, but... They're trashing the walls. The temple is rebuilt, but they're misusing the temples. The priesthood is rebuilt, but the tithes aren't going for them. They're out in the fields trying to harvest food and not really preach the word. Um, and, and, and Nehemiah and, and the entire story of the Old Testament, time and time again, um, were pointed to the word, but eventually were pointed to the living word of God through Jesus Christ. And, and so there it is, right? That, that's Nehemiah 8. It is a call for us to approach Scripture with our attitude of expecting to receive, a humility to actually have it go into our hearts. And when we do that, it's supposed to pierce us and change us and grieve us, but that grief never has the last word. It is always the joy of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, his character, his promises that we actually focus on. This, this sabbatical period is just, just awesome, right? Because it's opportunities for um, all of us to hear from different people. If that's God, tell him try my best. Um, <laughs> but it's just opportunities for us to hear from different people presenting the word. My encouragement to you is as we approach every single week, Every time you're in a small group, every time you're studying God's word, do you approach it with an expectation to actually receive and have it change you? Are you expecting to hear from God? And I think when you do that, it will mess with you. But we never focus on our character, our failings, and the ways we come short. But instead, we focus on the character of God. And and. By the way, that's what this community is all about, right? We're here to come around the Word of God, to come around this, this, this man, Jesus Christ, because he is the living Word of God. And we come here expecting to hear from God, learn, and be changed 
certainly here, but all, all of eternity as well. And so that's what Nehemiah is all about. And I would just encourage you, as, as, we, as we go back into a period of worship here, have your thoughts be there. As we're worshiping God and singing this last song, am I coming here to, expecting to receive something from the Lord? Am I here expecting to encounter the God of this world? And just let your thoughts be there as we enter this time of prayer. So let's close in some prayer. God, thank you so much for um, just this uh, scripture and what you have shown us. God, I just pray that um, we would just write these truths on our heart. That God, you really truly do want us to encounter you and for it to change us. Thank you so much for everything you've shown us. I pray, Lord, that we just always have an attitude ready to receive from you, hear from you, and learn from you. And we just thank you so much for your word. And all these things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.